When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. the gates and ready to go hot Uh-oh. mic with hutton and withrow is Got underway I, I i said before the show i think i may lose my voice today yeah it's out of the gates kind of and week. ready to go it's been that kind of week a week of excitement yeah uh fall is in the air ragweed is in the air october crushes me yeah october is a tough month for those uh with allergies we're gonna make it what, through though what i can say is we have a jam-packed show on this friday Let's get to the college football and NFL weekend, shall we? Well, it's the weekend already. We've declared it so. Starting on Thursday now on this show is the weekend. So we're day two of the weekend. Uh, but it's a it's a day two of the weekend caliber show with this guest list, Hutton. Anthony Broom will join us in 20 minutes. He's the editor and insider for Michigan Wolverines athletics and specifically football. A lot of news there with the allegations and the investigation that's ongoing through the NCAA that they're looking at Michigan for stealing signs and spying. We'll detail that and what it could mean for Jim Harbaugh, for the program. And Harbaugh's only already served one suspension. Could there be another one? We'll ask Anthony about that coming up in 20 minutes. Michael Fabiano joins us each and every Friday to set the, the best fantasy football lineup for us, for you. He's with us later this hour as well. Kelly in Vegas, Chad, gives us the winners, and she'll ridicule us for some loser picks, probably. Yeah. But she has to play one of them. She needs to take mine. I, I, that's the only yeah. thing that I win. I'm terrible at predicting, great at reacting, and I haven't won a single thing but my pitch to Kelly the last three weeks. You've crushed it. And each and every time, I think she may have taken mine by default last week in the end. She, she hated both, but said, I guess I'll have to go with this one. For good reason, I guess. Yeah, and it won, so... Listen Dan, up. Listen up to that. Dan Dockich also from Don't At Me here on the Outkick Network. Dan joins us uh, in the final hour today. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. I'm excited. It's a big weekend. It is. Um, is it going to be a big offseason for Jim Harbaugh's agent? I think the uh, agency in charge of Jim Harbaugh probably needs to go ahead and start working those phones with their NFL connections. Because this is the last year for Jim Harbaugh in the NCAA. And why? It's because he's got a big old target on his back. The NCAA does one thing really, really well. Pettiness. (laughs) They become bitter very easily. And when you publicly call them out or you undermine them in any way, ask Bruce Pearl, who dared lie about a barbecue that happened a little bit early. And nearly lost his ability to coach basketball for the rest of his life. Ten-year show cause because of it. Ask uh, maybe Mac Brown at some point. I don't know. They might be snooping around UNC right now because he dared to call out (laughs) the big bad NCAA. Jim Harbaugh, every time he got in front of a microphone, would undermine the NCAA and their investigation into something that he inferred was over a hamburger. And picking up the tab for it, whether or not he knew about it or not, or remembered it or not. It's pretty clear the way he and Michigan handled that whole situation and then him having a problem with a three-game suspension has led to the NCAA looking around for anything and everything. 
I also think this is a situation where it wasn't the NCAA who had to go looking around. It was probably, I'm going to guess, I don't know, Rutgers in Nebraska, if I'm looking at two Big Ten schools that had reason to believe they had a Michigan staffer at a game on <laughs> campus illegally scouting them and looking for their uh, signs. Connor Stallions, which is just a terrific name, by the way. The it guy fits. could be a pro wrestler. Connor Stallions is a graduate of the United States Naval Academy. Connor Stallions is the staffer that was hired, and according to his bio, to implement Marine Corps-like tactics of scouting and evaluation within the football program. Connor Stallions, ladies and gentlemen, as of 14 minutes ago, has been suspended without pay at the University of Michigan. Now ask yourself, when Jim Harbaugh comes out and says, I have no knowledge of any of this that's going on, do you believe that? Of course not. He knows what his staffers are up to. This is plausible deniability at its best. Now, maybe there's no electronic communications between the two that can prove it, but I think it is pretty easy to prove if, in fact, he's out there videoing things. There's going to be documentation of it. There's going to be someone catching him in the act doing it. There's going to be something that's going to come down with all of this. This is not good for Michigan. I know it's easy just to sweep everything aside and act like, oh, it's uh, NCAA doing this. No big deal. NCAA has no power. In many cases, that is correct. But when the NCAA gets you in their crosshairs and they're not going to be done until there is blood, they will not stop. And that is now the case with Jim Harbaugh. Michigan fans, and we'll talk to Anthony Broom about this, got a really good team this year. Pray you go ahead and win a natty this season because Jim Harbaugh is not going to be there next season. Jim Harbaugh is going to take an open NFL job that comes open this offseason. This is his window now to get out. And I think Jim Harbaugh is smart enough to understand that the NCAA is not going to stop until he's suspended for a season or the Michigan football program faces big-time penalties for this. Now would be the time for Harbaugh to get out. I hate that for Michigan fans, Yeah, but that's where we are. What's interesting, though, that you mentioned the crosshairs, and I agree with you. They had Kansas in the crosshairs and chose to do nothing in that situation with Kansas hoops recently. Slap on the wrist. Taking down the banner, yeah. big deal. And normally when they have a chance to show some power, that's what they do with the investigations. David Dunn is the agent for Jim Harbaugh with Athletes First. Um, he's negotiated, and he, he's great at what he does, uh, negotiated for Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, and a list of NFL players. But he also represents several coaches, Harbaugh one of them. I agree with you, Chad, and it's only a matter of time. He's, he's been flirting with the NFL the last two years, and if you really think you're in the crosshairs, and he is with the NCAA, don't you take the gig and go back where you had success? He's the guy that can jump back in and actually have success immediately. He did very well in San Francisco. Yeah, it was, it was well-liked, by the I way. I think he's got enough of a, uh, I think, a God complex also yeah, to now, think that he's above all this NCAA meddling that's happening. There was a narrative that the players hated him there. Uh, Delaney Walker told us, I don't know if you remember, he was like, I love Jim Harbaugh. He was great. And we won. We went to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Players want that. And David Dunn wants that. Another coach back in the NFL. Let's also just take a moment to um, acknowledge and honor the fact that Michigan hired some dude from the United States Naval Academy to do this, to come in and specifically do this. 
Now, innocent until proven guilty, all that good stuff. But if Michigan is this quick with Ward Manuel, their AD, to suspend him, uh, something's up. Something's going on here. And I read that bio, and I just think, wow, this is next level. We think we've seen it all in, in sports and the levels that teams and programs will go to in order to win. By the way, it was a three-year show cost for Bruce Pearl, 10 years for Donnie Tindall, same thing. It was three years over a barbecue, okay? Donnie Tindall got too much also, but we can get into that another day. Oh, yeah. Ten years is way too much for what, what he was accused of doing also. Point being, when you go at it with the NCAA, they're going to do everything in their power to screw you over. And that is what Jim Harbaugh is going to have done to him. Here's the uh, from the Michigan website about Connor Stallions. Stallions, a graduate of the United States Naval Academy, was hired as an off-field analyst at Michigan in May 2022. According to a bio on his LinkedIn account, in the bio, Stallions wrote that he attempts to, quote, employ Marine Corps philosophies and tactics into the sport of football regarding strategies in staffing, recruiting, scouting, intelligence, planning, and more. When was the last time you've heard the term intelligence used to describe football operations and gathering intel and intelligence? If there was ever a guy who is going to future opponents to try to steal signs, it's that guy. It's that guy with his LinkedIn bio consisting of someone that specializes in intelligence for a football program. Crazy story. I don't think it ends well for Michigan. It's certainly not going to end well for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan because Hutton, I think he's going to be out now. All the flirtations are going to be – there's going to be some follow-through on it this year because he knows the NCAA is out to get him. Well, but I'm also intrigued at how the NCAA um, handles this because – Sign stealing is not against the rules, technically through the bylaws. No, but in but in, in house scouting, in house scouting, uh, in person scouting, yeah, is illegal, and that's been that way since '94. Um, so they clearly know this, and this all stems from at least two different programs, uh, coaches. Shiano's one of them because he's said it uh, at a halftime interview where he's he figured that they had the signs right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be during the game, though. So I'm intrigued to see how they link up everything based on what was reported. Well, but let's, Michigan's already, and, and also, but Chad, let's let's go bigger picture here, because this is to me is where this thing gets a little bit more hairy yeah. and a lot more convoluted. They've had to alert every future Michigan opponent, including Michigan State, this that week, they yeah. have intelligence on that they've been at games yep. of theirs moving forward. This affects the line of games. This affects a lot of money changing hands. This affects point spreads. Yep. When we have Iowa and Iowa State players betting on their games, this is not good. This has everyone looking back at prior bets if you placed a lot of money on a game thinking, did Michigan do something that altered the, the point spread in this game without the betting public knowing about it? There are a lot more implications here moving forward for what could go down. You know how you cut a lot of this stupid stuff out? with signs, put a damn radio in the quarterback's helmet the way they have in the NFL since 1994. Uh, why we can't do that in major college football is beyond me. You eliminate the sign problem if you do that. Give them a radio. And then there's not people, you know, you don't have Naval Academy vets and grads going to games scouting signs of opponents. And make it simple. Like I, there, I think the reason why they don't do that is – in the NFL, at every stadium, there's someone that cuts off that feed 15 seconds prior to the play clock uh, ending, before a penalty. 
Um, in college football, that would require literally someone at every single stadium. So I don't think – just make it simple where you can just talk to the quarterback no matter what. Yeah. I'm with you. But also, like, coaches know. They anticipate. They scout. It's like, how much are they getting – in person on signs, probably a lot, especially if you're doing like the three quarterbacks on the sideline doing different motions. You figure things out, and that's a huge benefit. But in game, I don't, I mean, to me, if you pick up on it in game, that's the opponent's problem, not your problem. Well, it is, and that's why it's, it's, it's sort of, it's frowned upon, but it's not but prohibited. That's right. It's not explicitly prohibited within the rules because if you can pick up on it in the game, but I'll also. And Shiano, offer by the this. way, would have that intel if he was able to get it i'll also offer this they're not doing it if it doesn't present an advantage uh, sure having someone in-house having someone at whatever vantage point this guy uh, allegedly wherever they were in the stadium and whatever they were filming and the angle they were filming it they're doing it for a reason i said the same thing about everything going on with spygate with the patriots there was a lot of oh everybody's doing it what real advantage are they getting everyone's on tape in every game no matter what and i'll just offer this Okay, some of that may be true, but why do it? Why, why the two orders, as they say in A Few Good Men? There's a reason they're doing it. It's because it presents some advantage. If not, they wouldn't mess with it. So there is an advantage to be gained here. Don't kid yourself. They're getting some advantage out of this. Michigan was, if in fact what they are alleged of having done, they actually did. Um, advantage for the quarterbacks and the offense in the NFL. And Tom Brady... Two years ago, sat down with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers website, along with Gronkowski and others, and said the defense is not being presented with a fair rule book, and the offense is they have the bailout plays where a quarterback makes a wrong decision and a hard hit over the middle is a flag against the defense, and the defense, by no fault of their own, just being... Physical, bails out bad play on offense. Gronkowski responded, not to that, but apparently forgot the fact that Brady had said this because Gronkowski says in a response about the NFL, maybe they'll just become flag football. Brady said this, said that it, it's, it's been soft. It's becoming soft as flag football eventually. Said this on the Let's Go podcast with uh, Jim Gray. Chad, Gronkowski responds and says, I mean, it was already flag football for you, brother. He said this with Up and Adams, with, with Kay Adams. Some of those calls for you last year, they barely touched you, especially the call with the Atlanta Falcons. They were getting a 15-yard roughing the passer penalty. He's right, but Brady would agree with him. Yeah. So all the headlines about Gronkowski calling out Brady, Brady has stood up and said, I have, if I make a mistake, if I throw a bad pass, um, or I put it where the receiver would get knocked out. They can't do that anymore across the middle. So it's not on me, even though I'm putting the receiver at risk because the defense can't hit them. And that's unfortunate. He said the defense should have the rules more in their favor, and they don't. And that's coming from the GOAT. So the headlines about Gronk calling out Brady. Brady would agree with what Gronkowski says instead of the drama that uh, is perceived here. No drama. Yeah, I don't know that there's any drama with it, but absolutely, Brady could probably fire back and say, yeah, I never said it wasn't flag football for me, too. That that includes me. Right. 
in all of this. And this has been the direction things have been heading for a while now. And yeah, Tom Brady was the beneficiary of those rules changes. And this all stems from what I think it was 2008 when he had the opening game injury, Bernard Pollard, the Chiefs. Yep. yep. And then a lot of these rules started after that because the Patriots lost Tom Brady for an entire season with that injury. Yep. And I, I, I mean, some of that, but also like the owners want to keep the biggest investment on the field. And in this case, the rules are set up not just in the quarterback's favor. I mean, think about the corners. You can barely touch the receiver now when you're going up for the yeah. interception or but uh, yet, pass defense. Scoring is down. Explosive is. plays are down. So we yep. can say this all we want, but no, somehow I, the defense has found a way to wrestle away an advantage yep. again. I think it comes down to poor offensive line play. I think offenses need more practice than defenses to get cohesion. However, to have a cohesive unit, I don't think they're getting enough. But it was the same practice regiment when they had 500 touchdowns compared to 398 two years ago. Same lack of practice, but I agree. They should do more. The players don't want that because they feel like they won some argument in negotiations. Anthony Broom joins us next. We talk Michigan football and possible suspension. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Michael Fabiano joins us in 20 minutes. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. Streaming live, also listening to this great radio partner. Chad, we've, uh, we've had Anthony Broom on before. He brings it. He does. He's the insider for the Wolverine. Great coverage. Does for not get more Michigan. Michigan than his outfit right now either. No doubts. Detroit Tigers hat, Detroit Pistons shirt. Uh, perfect. Just perfect. We need a Lions uh, headband, I'm sure he uh, maybe, has it. and then we'd really be, have the complete trifecta. Anthony, uh, no shortage of storylines in the state of Michigan. No, slow week, and, and you guys caught me on a travel day too, so that's why I look like uh, you know a dad on the way to soccer practice right now. But uh, yeah, nothing going on, right? No, no uh, topics of interest in my sphere at all. So, what is the level of concern now that John Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, that Jim Harbaugh is just going to say the NCAA has has it out for me? I don't want to deal with this anymore. I can't get to the NFL quick enough 
after this season. Is that a concern for Michigan fans? I think that's been a concern, honestly. I mean, coming off of, you know, he has his pace slashed in half in, in 2020, uh, after that 2020 season. And there's been some weird vibes with him in the athletic department since then. So there's always been, and, and the last couple of years, you know, every year that Jim Harbaugh has been at Michigan, there's been this kind of, oh, well, will he or won't he with the NFL? There's always the, you know, some of the stuff that comes out, you know, in November, December about the coaching carousel. But really, until the last two off seasons or so, there it feels like that's when the actual sort of courtships and interest have taken place. And yet with all this going on, like, is there more of that now? I mean, I, we can't speak to that until the cycle kicks up. But, you know, you do have to wonder if this is uh, – you know, knowing what we do about what he's already achieved in the NFL, what he's done at the college level. And quite frankly, some of the stuff he's been dealing with in terms of the NCAA and the state of college sports. Yeah, I would say right now the concern is probably about as legitimate as it has been that he would go back because honestly, at this point, who could kind of blame him? Anthony Broom, our guest uh, with the Wolverine uh, and on three. So Ward Manuel has suspended Connor Stallions, an analyst with pay, pending this investigation and the results of it. But Harbaugh says he knew nothing about this and doesn't condone it. How would he not know about sign stealing if it was benefiting the team in this way and, and opponents were, were aware of it? They, they caught on to the fact. I mean, that's the crux of the question, right? Like, what did Jim Harbaugh know? What did Michigan know? I mean, it's important to know, too, that, yeah, again, the common refrain from Michigan fans and from the program will be sign stealing isn't illegal and right. it's part of the game. And, and all of that's true, right? But the what we're talking about here is potential illegal sign stealing in terms of the technology aspect of it, in terms of potentially having people associated with Michigan uh, in person at these other games. So to me, I mean, that's uh, I, I personally like being that this investigation is just now kind of starting to to crack open. It's clear that, you know, with Connor Stallions, like bam, he's the person of interest. He's been placed on uh suspension uh, with pay for now. And we'll see where the investigation investigation goes from there. But it's, that's kind of the crux of this entire thing is that how deep does this thing go? Who was involved and how far up the ladder was the knowledge of that? And, and those are things that I don't know that we can know right now, but um, you know, obviously if you're caught, using the technology to aid your scouting if you're caught, you know, with, and that's the question too, is in terms of in-person scouting, which is kind of what it feels like this is revolving around who was there and in what capacity. I mean, that's, that's, I think what they're trying to get to the bottom of. I realize the answer to this could be who knows, but yeah, but um, what's the possible penalty that could be levied? Uh, from the NCAA to Michigan and the, the football program if they prove this? Yeah, I'm not sure because I'm not sure what the precedent for it is. I mean, right, yeah. To my knowledge, I can't, I, can't think of a, I can't think of a major program that was being investigated like this. And part of it, too, is that, you know, people will say, oh, well, you know, here comes another Harbaugh witch hunt and all those type of things. But um, I truthfully don't know. I mean, I thought I had seen something that there was a something similar happened at Baylor and a guy was suspended for a half. I, I truly, I, I don't know where it goes from here. I mean, it all kind of boils down to the extent of, of which it was taking place. Um, you know, they surrendered Connor Stallions, one of Connor Stallions computers to the NCAA. Um, it seems like, you know, from a Michigan perspective, at least Jim Harbaugh, the, the athletic department, tell us what you want to know. We'll, 
we'll go from there. I mean, it seems like there's, I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's tough to say, it's tough to speculate, but uh, you know, I think that's all going to come down to what the scope of this thing is and who was involved in it. What can you tell us about Connor Stallions? Uh, just a little while ago, Ward Manuel suspends him with pay. He's the one being investigated in this. A Naval Academy grad says in his bio he's going to bring Marine Corps tactics to the football program. Do you see him on game day? I think is an important part of this around Michigan. Is he not there? Um, have you had a chance to meet, talk with him? What What do you know about him? Yeah, I don't know him personally. Uh, I, I know I've social media accounts aren't there now, but there was a connection there, I think at one point, but I do know that he's on the sideline during games. I mean, you flip on any game and, you know, most of the time he's standing on the sideline. He's, he's with, with the coaching staff, with the support staff. Uh, He's been with the program. I want to say since 2015 or 2016, it's kind of a volunteer assistant. And then, you know, over the last few years, that role has become a little more prominent, but I, I I personally, I don't know, much about him. I know that, uh, you know, over the summer, he was a little more involved in, uh, you know, NIL education on the recruiting trail. He was part of that recruiting uh, is part of, I shouldn't say was, he is still with the program uh, part of that support staff on the recruiting trail, obviously, you know, someone that uh, has some sort of role in terms of game planning uh, and data collection from a football uh, side of things. But other than that, I, I don't, I don't know him personally. And I know that, you know, with the question of, who is you know it, the alleged offense of having people in person at other games? It's not Connor Stallions because he's there every single week, and I have you know we have photographer friends on the field that see him every single week. Um, I don't like when it comes to that part of this investigation. I I can pretty safely say that he has been on campus on game days. So trying to connect the dots here and put everything together. Is it safe to assume that Rutgers is a part of this? When you look at the halftime interview with Greg Schiano and him alluding to something else going on uh, with the game that maybe Rutgers caught someone at a previous game leading up to that or something happened. Uh, what, what do you know about that? And what do you think when you see that interview? Yeah, it was weird at the time. And I wondered, uh, you know, uh, Shiano, I think, came out yesterday or someone on behalf of Shiano came out yesterday and said that that was in reference to officiating. I don't know that I completely buy that. Um, The tenor, the tone of the interview was a lot more cryptic than that. I think you can usually see the steam coming out of a coach's ears when it does have to do with officiating. Um, Again, and not to not to throw a grenade to the other side of the state line, but I think that there are their neighbors to the South may also have a a gripe in this. I think that a lot of the bluster, a lot of the, uh, the comments from the last few years, I think you can kind of put two and two together that maybe there's some Ohio state um, sour grapes there. Again, I'm just completely speculating on that front, but uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that, uh, you know, they've taken the step to warn Michigan's future opponents Apparently two opponents have caught wind of it. Uh, and that's kind of a, a big part of this investigation too. So yeah, I, I don't, it's, it's tough to say where it came from, but uh, certainly I, I, I think that Rutgers and Shiano is possible. And there is that tie with him to Ohio state as well. So I don't know if maybe those conversations have been had. I'm sure they have. Uh, apparently all this reporting seems to suggest it's been an open secret among big 10 coaches, but uh Again, until literally until Wednesday night, this is the first that anyone had heard of any of it. Anthony Broom, our guest from the Wolverine. Um, 
What do you make, if, if anything, of the cooperation from Harbaugh now compared to the previous investigation? Yeah, it's 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 one of those things, too, where you're you're wondering, you know, with all the reporting, with all the you know, the fact that an investigation is just kind of being kicked off now and there's yeah. this much kind of fanfare and outrage over it does kind of make you wonder if it's it's linked to the investigation that's already kind of open on them with Jim Harbaugh and, you know, the recruiting violations. And, you know, it's no secret that there is uh, some bad blood or no love lost between those two sides right now. So. I think that that certainly can play a part in it. Again, I um, two separate offenses from two very different type of things, but uh, the fact that it's another kind of notch on your belt to go after Michigan, go after Jim Harbaugh. Um, I do think that when the news cycle on this does kind of slow down a bit, it won't be quite as severe, but you know, in the here and now um, it's hard to escape from the optics of it being another, another saga or another chapter in this Jim Harbaugh versus the NCAA saga on the field. How good is this Michigan team versus what we've seen schedule wise? And what do you anticipate as we move forward uh, against the top three battling it out in the big 10 with Ohio state and Penn state? Well, yeah, this is obviously a a big weekend for that. Uh, We finally start to get to see these, this big 10 East pecking order start to take shape with Penn State and Ohio State playing. Uh, Michigan has a chance to kind of keep things rolling here, heading into a bye week. You know, with Michigan, you know, for as much flack as they've caught, you know, with the schedule, it's important to note that when you are playing teams that you are, you know, just that much more talented than that, you know, that much more better prepared and people will throw in the shots. Oh, well, maybe they were prepared because they were stealing signs, whatever. But when you were playing teams, that you are that much better than this is what it's these first seven weeks is what it's supposed to look like. So uh, I I've liked how they've handled their business. I think that, um, you know, they, they can hold up in a, they've proven this already that they'll, what they do in the trenches on both sides of the ball, they'll be able to hold up in a fight against Penn state and Ohio state. And that Penn state, Ohio state game next or uh, on, on Saturday afternoon, that's, that's that first rung to start getting some clarity on, what tiebreakers might look like, what scenarios might look like, because all those teams are going to have a role to play in this Big Ten East race. They're going to have a role to play in this uh, the college football playoff picture. But I think that right now, when you look at the way that Michigan's playing and the way that they prepare, I think that there's very little concern uh, that they won't be ready when the time comes. It almost feels like, uh, you know, we've seen their fastball the most this year on the road in, you know, again, Saturday will be their biggest quote-unquote game yet, being that it's a rivalry game, trophy game against Michigan State. But, you know, I feel like we are going to get this team's fastball in the regular season when those chips are down and and the challenge is the toughest. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, I like how they stack up uh, right now with, with their peers. We've seen dramatically different responses from schools in regards to NCAA investigations with coaches. Anytime something happens at Tennessee, they immediately fire the coach, roll everything over on them, and try to hire someone new and move on. They're not going to back their coach at all. Kansas backs Bill Self. Turns out okay for them. LSU backs Will Wade on the basketball side. And they wait till he starts losing to fire him eventually. Then the NCAA comes down on him. Is there any scenario where Michigan does not have Jim Harbaugh's back in this based on whatever they find on this computer or anything else? Is there any way they say, 
yep, this is too many different types of things going on now that's been alleged, and we got to cut ties. I think that right now they're prepared to fight this. I think they're prepared to uh, to, to defend him. Um, from there, like I said, it, I guess it all kind of depends on what comes out of this. I mean, if it if it comes out that you know this goes farther up on the ladder than just you know a, a recruiting analyst with the program, if there are assistant coaches that you know are, are culpable in it, if there's you know even the head coach that's culpable in it, I think that everyone everything could be on the table. Consider you know depending on what the severity of the case is. So um, we'll see what happens. I, I think that Michigan's ready to defend him. I mean. As of, uh, you know, a week ago or a couple of days ago, even, you know, they're they've been ready to get a new contract done for Jim Harbaugh. So uh, where things stand right now, I think that everyone's kind of aligned in making sure he sticks around. But again, um, no man knows the future when it comes to maybe him uh, deciding that he'd like to take his talents back to the next level. But I certainly don't think in the here and now that they're in any danger of cutting ties with him from an administrative perspective. Anthony Broom has been our guest. The Wolverine is the site for all things Michigan Wolverines coverage. Anthony, thank you for the uh, the perspective. It was great. And we'll get you back on as this story progresses. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Anthony Broom there. Chad, the statement from uh, Harbaugh um, recently about this investigation. I want to make it clear that I and my staff will fully cooperate with the investigation into this matter. A different tone than what we heard from him yeah. previous. Much more challenging before with the investigation. Thinking I don't remember. I don't recall anything like that. Yeah. yeah, I don't recall. And how dare you question the ethics of my program type stuff. Now, no, we'll fully, fully cooperate with any investigation. Coming up, Michael Fabiano joins us. All things fantasy football, the top starts and sits of the week. Fabs 5 and more. He's straight ahead. Get your lineup ready. That's next right here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us on this Friday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Show rolling along. What a Friday it is. It huh? is. What a Friday it is. Michael Fabiano joins us, the fantasy football all things guru for Sports Illustrated. Does a fantastic job breaking it down and helping us set lineups, which is difficult this week, Michael, with six teams on the bye, week seven and week 13. We'll feature this, and whenever I was drafting my roster, I'm stacked with week seven and week 13 buys. This is a difficult week as far as depth is concerned. It is, uh, and don't feel bad if you're starting some running backs, especially who may not be the most attractive because chances are your opponent's doing the same thing. How are the injuries affecting your leagues? Uh, injuries have been bad, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, even down to like guys like Roshan Johnson, who we were kind of hoping would be back. And now he's not going to play, which means Deontay Foreman's going to be the starter for the bears. The Rams running back. Kyron Williams has been awesome. You don't even know who's going to be the starter this week uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the injuries are bad enough, but especially at running back when you don't know who the handcuff is, or maybe there isn't one in particular that we have faith will 
lead the team in snaps and touches makes it even harder. And it, to find the, the next Devin Achan, right? To find the guy that may have a role that's about to be increased with the team, but also because of injury. And like you said, Michael, trying to decipher who's really getting the start based on injury, that's part of the guessing game, right? All educated guesses. Um, for the Rams, we all kind of thought it was going to be Zach Evans, but it might be Royce Freeman, who they signed off the practice squad. We just don't know. It's the same thing as like last week. Remember with the Cardinals? Yes. James Conner goes down and uh, Amari DiMarcado plays. So we all think it's going to be him. And then suddenly Keontae Ingram is coming back from an injury and he starts and they sign Damian Williams off the practice squad and he has more touches than DiMarcado. Unfortunately, in the world of fantasy football, a lot of it's guessing games, a lot of it's educated guessing games. It's all we can do. Unfortunately, if we're not in the running backs room in this scenario or uh, in the coaches meetings, which we're not, uh, we are guessing and uh, sometimes we, we guess incorrectly. And that's what happened with the Cardinals backfield last week. So any Rams running back that you may be starting this week, uh, don't expect them to shoulder the majority of the workload. Uh, even if you think you've got your finger on it, because oftentimes uh, something different happens. We'll get to your Fabs Five in just a moment with the starts and sits. But are you playing or considering giving advice to play the quarterbacks, the backups who are now in for a, a possible couple weeks with some injury situations to the starters? Uh, out of desperation, uh, if you're in a multi-quarterback league, you may have no choice. Gardner Minshew... Tyrod Taylor, for example. Uh, I'm having to play Minshew. It's rough. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's a brutal matchup against the Browns. Uh, and But it, it, we're just that desperate, right? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is not playing this week. I mean, do I want, I don't even know who the Raiders quarterback is going to be at this point. Right. Is it Aiden O'Connell? Is it Brian Hoyer? We don't know. Um, in Chicago, you lose Justin Fields, and you got Tyson Bajan. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not playing that guy. No. And I don't know very much about him. Other than the fact that I like the Raiders defense a heck of a lot more because that's the quarterback for the Bears this week, and I'm downgrading their pass catching options. So, so is it is it correct that I'm in the best of a awful situation with Minshew versus other options? I had Rodgers, then I had Anthony Richardson, and I'm down to Min Minshew and Desmond Ritter on my roster. I would well. If you've got Ritter on your roster, I probably would go with Ritter over Minshew, but I'd probably go with. Taylor, if he's available on the waiver wire, over both of okay. them against the commanders. Not a good defense at all. Michael Fabiano with us on Hot My With Edna Withrow across the Outkick Network. All right, let's get to uh, Fabs 5, the stardom and sit -ems. Let's start with Brock Purdy. Yeah, last week I did not like the matchup against Cleveland. I said sit -em. He had a bad game, his worst game of his career. But now Minnesota, I mean, this is a great matchup against the Vikings. Their defense has allowed 11 touchdowns and the ninth most points to quarterback. So Purdy's a good play. Uh, Brian Robinson, who did nothing on the ground last week, but scored a touchdown through the air, still didn't have a great stat line. I do like him against the Giants this week. Their defense, 13-plus points allowed to six different running backs. So Brian Robinson should be in your lineup. Jerome Ford, uh, not exactly a household name, but the starting running back for the Cleveland Browns. Kareem Hunt is questionable. Uh, hopefully he's going to be able to go. Regardless, this is a good matchup for Ford against the Colts who've allowed 16-plus fantasy points to running backs four times this year. I like Tyler Lockett. Just keep tabs on his status. He, he bounced on the injury report a little bit this week, but he has owned the Arizona Cardinals during his career. 15-plus points in five of his last six games against them, including one game where he scored 53. 
And in that same game, Hollywood Brown against Seattle, a really good matchup for Brown. Seattle's defense has given up seven touchdowns and the most points to wide receivers. So start Hollywood Brown this week. All right, Michael, flip side of that, who should fantasy owners stay away from this week? I don't know how you play Kirk Cousins with any kind of confidence. Now, would I play him over, you know, Tyra Taylor and Gardner Minshew? I'm sure. I'm hoping for some garbage time points, but he scored single digits last week without Justin Jefferson. Now they've got the Niners who are going to be all kinds of salty after getting beat by the Browns last week. This is a bad matchup for Kirk Cousins. Najee Harris, you probably got to play him. The guy's been terrible this year from a fantasy perspective. 6.7 points per game, losing snaps and touches to Jalen Warren, and the matchup's not great against the Rams. Rashad White, I like that he's getting volume and he's getting the snaps, but he's not scoring any fantasy points. He's actually had more than 11 points just once this year. Atlanta's defense has been tough on running backs. Now, these two players are probably going to be in a lot of lineups, so temper your expectations. Michael Pittman Jr., who I liked last week, and he had a good game over 20 fantasy points. Browns, their defense is just for real. Uh, they've had really, they've given up one big game to a wide receiver all year long. That's it. Uh, and Brandon Ayuk had an okay game last week, but not great. And then Jerry Judy, who's been in the news more about his whole thing with Steve Smith Sr. than he has about what he's not doing on the football field. Tough matchup against the Packers this week. Uh, I would avoid Jerry Judy. Now, if Jair Alexander doesn't play for the Packers, that makes Judy a little more attractive. Uh, otherwise, he's a fade for me. Yeah, he's been very busy. Jerry Judy has proving Steve Smith right uh, at every turn uh, about him. That's that's for sure. Um, a ton of viewer submissions coming in, so I'm going to roll through some of these with you, Michael, if if you will. Uh, mm -hmm. Alan on on the YouTube chat wants to ask about Raheem Mostert's outlook the rest of the way, even when Devin Devin Achan comes back. I would try to trade Mostert now um, because his value is ridiculously high. So. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. is close to coming back. At some point, A-Chan will be back. Does that mean that that's going to be a three-headed backfield monster? I mean, maybe not, but Jeff Wilson is a pretty good back, too. I think right now, Mostert's value is as high as it's ever been in his career. He's one of the top running backs in fantasy football. If you can find another team who will trade for him and you can get back a high-level player, like I'm talking about Stephon Diggs, I'm talking about Mark Andrews, and even Mark Andrews isn't worth Raheem Mostert straight up. Somebody who's an elite player at another position, if having Mostert is a luxury and not a need, I would not be adverse to trading him. Uh, another viewer submission, half PPR. Do you start Matthew Stafford or Jordan Love? Uh, Jordan Love. And I know the matchup uh, that he had against the Raiders seemed favorable, and he just absolutely bombed. That was before the bye. Uh, they've had two weeks to get ready for arguably the worst defense in the league in a long time in the Broncos. I do like Jordan Love to bounce back this week. I love that because I have to start Jordan Love <laughs> because Dak Prescott has a bye this week on, on my team. So Yeah, I, I'm starting Jordan Love too because I have Justin Fields and I don't know how long he's going to be out, but it's not good. Here comes uh, from John M. A defense question for you. Browns defense or Raiders defense? I like them both. I'm going Browns. The Browns defense is one of the best, probably top three in the league. The Raiders, though, are a really good play uh, against the inexperienced uh, Bears quarterback. But I like the Browns better. They're playing a backup in Gardner Mitchell. I know he's a good backup, but still a backup. Uh, very close call, but I'm going with the Browns. How much do you invest in possible trades? Reports are that the Packers, the Chiefs, the Colts, 
And there's another team, I think, involved here. The uh, Panthers. How -hmm. much do you anticipate what could happen at the deadline trying to trade now, buy low if you could, knowing that some of these guys could be playing for a different offense and they're not producing now? Jerry Judy, for instance. Yeah, I think I think the play there is more about the players who might be on the waiver wire who could see their value increase if a trade happens. I don't know where Judy's going to go. Right. Uh, I'd love to see him have a change of scenery. I don't know that anybody's buying on Jerry Judy until they know where he's going, uh, to be quite honest with you. But if Marvin Mims is on the waiver wire, well, then wait, maybe I need to pick him up now because if Judy's gone, Mims becomes potentially a number two option in the offense there for Russell Wilson, which would be a good thing. So anybody whose name is on the trade block, and there are some trades I would love to see. I'd love to see Zach Moss out of Indianapolis, right? Let him start someplace else, and Jonathan Taylor becomes the guy, which we all know he's going to be. I'd love to see Javante Williams out of Denver. They've got two other backs. Again, I don't know that these are going to happen. If Devontae Adams can end up someplace where the quarterback is durable, I mean, that was one thing I was worried about with the Raiders and Garoppolo is that if Garoppolo got hurt, and I guess it, it's more of like a when and not an if, Yeah. You know, what are the Raiders going to throw out there a quarterback? We don't even know who the quarterback's <laughs> going to be. At least right now, I have no idea. And the matchup's really good against the Bears, but I mean, Devontae Adams had two stingers in a row. Uh, I think the good thing is that, you know, the squeaky wheel philosophy, and he was squeaking pretty good this week. So uh, no matter who the quarterback is for, for Vegas, hopefully they get on the ball this week. But I think it's more about like who might be able to get more reps or more playing time and more opportunities to score fantasy points in the absence of a potentially traded player. What is Miko Hartman's outlook now that he's back with KC? I grabbed him in some leagues. Miko Hartman in his last four games with the Chiefs scored double digits in the last two games were both over 19 points. He knows the offense. Mahomes has a rapport with him. And the Chiefs don't have like that elite number one guy. Not that Miko Hartman is that. But could he be the second most targeted player at wide receiver because no one's going to out-target Kelsey while he's there? Uh, yeah, I think he can. I think it's right now him and Rasheed Rice are the two Chiefs wide receivers I'd like to have on my roster. If the Chiefs were happy with Sky Moore, they wouldn't have traded back uh, to get a guy who knows the offense in Hardman. Who gets more production this week, Dawson Knox or Noah Fant? I mean, geez, those are two really tough guys to call. Uh, neither one's been very consistent from a fantasy perspective. The matchup probably favors Fant. Um, I know Kincaid, Dalton Kincaid, and Dawson Knox have both been a little bit banged up. They should be good to go this week, though. But uh, I, I would probably go with Noah Fant there against the Cardinals. What's your average record with all your leagues? Oh, I have no idea. I'm, I'm in 15 leagues, man. I have no I idea. There's leagues where I'm 6-0. and uh, There's <laughs> no leagues where I'm, where I'm like 0-6. I think my worst record is probably like two and four in some leagues. But uh, for me at the end of the year in 15 leagues, if I make the playoffs in, I want to say 10, nine or 10, I feel like I had a pretty good season. It's all about making the playoffs and then you never know what can happen from there. Would you consider Derrick Henry among the most disappointing fantasy draft picks this year, considering return on investment? I I don't know about most disappointing. I think there've been some worse guys. Because Henry's had some good games. He had a good game in London last week. <laughs> there have been a few stinkers, though, uh, yes. in that mix. But I feel like we kind of had to bake that in for a guy who's, you know, at 30 years old with more carries than anybody in the league over the last five seasons. Uh, the good news is that he plays the Houston Texans twice in a three-week span in the fantasy playoffs. So if you get to the playoffs with Derrick Henry, you got to be licking your chops. 
It's a great point. Michael Fabiano always crushes it to get our lineups ready for fantasy football. Check out his great work with Sports Illustrated. Thank you, as always. Always sound advice, especially in a bye week that is stacked with teams in week seven. Yeah, it, it, it is called Bimageddon for a reason. Uh, <laughs> good luck, everybody. I know I need it. You probably do, too. Absolutely. Thank you, Michael. Take care. He is great. At one in five. I need all the luck I can get, Hud. All of it. Yeah. You're going with Minshew Mania over there, too. Uh, that's the league where I'm unbeaten right now with hey. Minshew. And it's not because of quarterback. But I'm not going to go very far. Maybe he goes off this week. Who knows? You go Minshew or Ritter? Uh, against Cleveland's defense for Minshew, I'm, I'm going Ritter. Okay. That's Both what I, like I'm projected I'm leaning, to like 11 points. I'm leaning Ritter. Coming up, we uh, discuss Jacksonville. The Jaguars got a big win on Thursday Night Football. Plus, the Diamondbacks as well. Straight ahead, Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow, Hour 2, coming up right here on the Outkick Network.